It's Michael Cohen here, former personal attorney and fixer to Donald J. Trump. And I never listen to none taken. How far are you into that uh, Road to Unfreedom book? Did you finish it? Uh, no, I think I still have a chapter or two left. Though, I mean, the chapters are long, man. The, they are, yeah. The, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm on like chapter five of it. Um, the whole like politics of eternity, um, like the more it's referenced, the more it kind of is reinforced with examples, the more it really sinks in and I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was thinking while I was listening to it is what we call culture war in U S politics. Is that just politics of eternity come ashore? Like to the U S it's really funny. You say that I was, I had that exact same thought. Today. Oh, really? Thinking about the show. I was like, wait, this is politics of eternity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because if you if there's no more progress to make, then the only value you have as a politician is to fight over shit like this. Oh, Jesus. Right? Yes. Yeah. No, you so <laughs> listeners, if you have, I'm assuming most people haven't read that book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you said it really well. I mean, you would I don't think there's any other way like you you concisely put that. Like it's very very well done. Uh Thank you. can I play a clip of Australia's Politics of Eternity? Oh, can't wait. So this is a guy named Bob Catter, which it took me a while until I realized it's like Bobcat, but his name oh, is Bob Catter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, 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 no. Bobcat's alive. It's Gilbert Godfrey's oh, dead. Jesus. My bad. They both have weird voices, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. By the way, Alan has a migraine and you picked a horrible episode to get a migraine. I've got a clip of Gilbert Godfrey, Godfrey coming up. You're just going to, you best uh, served to just take your headphones like this. Turn my volume down yeah, a little bit. Here. I, yeah. I wouldn't blame you. Um, <laughs> don't turn it down for this one. So this is an Australian politician, Bob Catter. Uh, he might be like their Trump, I guess. I don't know. He's, oh, okay. he, he is wild. I mean, since there's little influence on me, I think the guy's hilarious. So here's, <laughs> so here is, um, this is sort of taste. Uh, this is just sort of wet your whistle on him. Um, mm. He, so he embraces culture war bullshit, and he's on like a panel uh, in front of an audience, and there's people there sort of moderating it, and this is one of the moderators saying like, you know, I, I can tell like when certain things you say like. You're, you appear to be a good person. You say good things that I care about, but then you say certain things that I can't agree with, and then he kind of has a punchline. Let me play it. Okay. You say a lot of really important, powerful things, right? Like, <laughs> like what you've said tonight, I hear it, and I think this is a guy that cares, and it's really important. When I hear you talk about dairy farmers, and you say people in the cities should spend more than $2 on milk, I agree with you. But then when you go out and you deny the existence of homosexuals in North Queensland, they exist. There's an app called Grindr. I'll put it on your phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said something like, I, you know, I've never seen a gay person. I haven't met a gay person in Northern Queensland, so there's no gay people there. It's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> like, uh, but that's, that's not why I'm bringing him to your attention. That's oh, just okay. like I said, to wet your whistle. Here's my favorite, uh, my favorite soundbite of the week. This is great because he's going to settle the uh, the whole debate that's been going on between uh, crocodiles and gay marriage. <laughs> this will start the show proper. I mean, you know, people are entitled to their sexual proclivities. You know, I mean, let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. You know, but I ain't spending any time on it because <laughs> in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. <laughs> Should we hit record? Yeah, one, two, three. <laughs> All right, you ready? I am ready. It's Crocs or gay sex, Alan. 
Are you recording? Keep the Crocs on. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to start a show? Let's start a show. That podcast is filling your head with garbage. I no offense taken there. Well, it sounds like none taken. I just hang out the maze. Welcome to None Taken, the internet's only debate and current events show with your hosts Dustin and Alan, two political nomads from two different worlds. Shout out to Reverend Peyton's big damn band for the use of their song Ways and Means for intro music. Thank you for joining us. The time of this recording, it's Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. It's a great day for America. <laughs> I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And Alan is in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here. Recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. I've got so many audios, I forgot to count them. Please subscribe right now, wherever you're listening to this. We don't have an advertising budget. You are ads. Y'all know that. So please leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. They do reviews there, too. Five stars, please. It helps spread the word about the show more than you'd know. You can find None Taken on all all major social apps. Sorry, True Social. (laughs) If you'd like to help us financially, go to Venmo. Look for None Taken. We got a zebra in the logo. Be like Slick It's Digital. Slick It's Digital for all your SEO and marketing needs. Alan, Hell yeah. What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Um, I had an awesome week last week. I am coming to you with a little bit of a migraine, as Dustin said, so I'm still going to try to bring it, though, right? Yeah. Um, all right, so I went to uh, a couple of shows last week. I went to see uh, 40 Acre Mule, which you saw in Nashville and recommended me. Yeah. Dude, they're so good. I'm glad like, you liked them. I saw them in a super small room. I saw them at Ivy Room. Um and clearly, like they could, they could handle a, a much bigger venue. But just seeing them like in that small a venue where they almost like they can't contain them, yeah, was, just, was really cool. Kind of bluesy rock. Yeah. Um, doesn't it seem and, like you've heard of them before? Like, like doesn't don't they just sound familiar? They do sound kind of familiar, right? I don't know what it is exactly. They have a um, a sax player in the band, yeah. which is cool. I don't, can't even remember the last time I saw a band with a brass <laughs> member in it. Big that old baritone, cool. right? Yeah, baritone, yeah. huge sacks. Yeah. Anyways, they were they were great. Um, and then they were actually not the the headliners. It was Delta Bombers were the headliners. Oh. And they were similar kind of rock bluesy, um, kind of music. Great band. Enjoyed the hell out of it. A lot of fun. If you get a chance to see them, I'd recommend it. Um, and then on Thursday, I went to the city. I went and saw Reverend Peyton. So I saw them do our our opening <laughs> song live. It's on my answer. That was pretty I saw fun. That. Uh, new venue I hadn't been to called Brick and Mortar. It's in the Mission. Um, is it a, a, a new bit. venue or new for you? New for me. I don't, I don't think it's been there that long, mm-hmm. um, but it's been there a little while. I'm just judging by the stickers on the wall. In the yeah, bathroom. it can't be that new, right? I feel like people didn't say brick and mortar until like like Amazon took over right. big box retail. <laughs> yeah, uh, but even that was 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel like it got used a lot in like 2008. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyways, uh, awesome, awesome show. Great to see them there. Not all that well attended, but enough that it was still a cool crowd. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bummer. Is that something about San Francisco? Like, is it not a good scene for that kind of music? I mean, you know what? I think Front Porch Blues like doesn't really sound like I'd go to San Francisco to see it. But at the same time, like it's live music in San Francisco that that used to be a cultural center. Is it just not anymore? I think that it still is. I think that, um, you know, that there's still a pretty wide, um, varied musical interest in the city um, and, and surrounding it. Um, maybe, you know, a Thursday night, school mm, night, maybe yeah. had something to do with it, a venue that people aren't all that familiar with. Sure. Um, maybe all those things partly went into it. But, I mean, it still had a great time. It yeah. was still a really good oh, show. They, before the pandemic, one of their, like, slogans or, like, catchphrases was they do 200 shows a year, which that's, like... It's not even shows. every three days. That's like every. Yeah. That's every other day. No, that's more often than every other day. I've done this math before. I can do this. <laughs> that is wild, right? That is a lot of shows. Dude. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they sound very well practiced. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, awesome show. And then so on. So I I got to that large Fredrickson with my buddy the weekend before, and I mentioned I was thinking about going to opening day for the Giants on Friday, and so he hit me up on Tuesday. He's like, Hey, do you still want to go to that? I kind of want to go. And I was like, all right, cool. Because I've, I've never been to opening day. Have you ever been to an opening day before? I went to opening day for the Tigers the year after they were in the World Series. It was awesome, man. Just like yeah. blackout cool. drunk, made my girlfriend come pick me up from the bar. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it, was, uh, nice. it was fun. I actually got there by accident because I went out the night before with a buddy and slept on his couch. I woke up and they had opening day tickets. I was like, well, let me just go with you. And then they're like, so you have tickets? I'm like, no, I'll figure this out. So I went and scalped <laughs> tickets and met them inside. It was a nice. blast. It was so much fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so we ended up going. It was a day game. Uh, it was beautiful at the park. I was not expecting it to be as hot as it was, actually. Um, that's part of the problem. But um, <laughs> the game was great. Dude, they had um, some Navy guys parachute in. Oh, and their their uh, parachutes were in the Ukrainian flag colors, and hmm. they were carrying a, um, a U.S. flag, and they landed on the field. I have that conflicting was cool. thoughts on that, but that is a spectacle, and that would have been it cool It was to quite see. a spectacle. Yeah. It was. Um, and then, you know, they introduced all the players and there was fireworks and all that good stuff. It was fun. Was Zelensky um, how... there? Zelensky was not there. Oh, okay. no. He didn't even do an appearance on That's the uh, Megatron. Is that what it's called? The Megatron? It right. used to be called that. Yeah, I don't know what it is now. But sure, we'll okay. go with that. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, dude, I got home from that show and I was like, I am going to be so sunburnt. I didn't wear a hat because I'm not a hat guy and oh, I forgot no. sunscreen. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad tomorrow. You should have just put your glove up. on your head. I know, You didn't right? bring your baseball glove to the game, Alan? I did not bring my <laughs> baseball glove to the game. I don't actually have a baseball Nobody glove. does that. Children do that. <laughs> actually, it's recommended at the Giants Park. Oh, my God. tell you to all the time. Uh, anyways, so I woke up Saturday. I definitely felt like shit. You know, sunburn just, like, takes life out of you. Yeah. Um, so I was supposed to go to that show Saturday night to see Matt Freeman, the Chargers uh, band, in Oakland. And I was just like, towards the afternoon, I was like, man, I'm just not going. I don't, I'm not feeling it at <laughs> all. Uh, so basically just chilled Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday went to work and wasn't feeling really well. And um, so left a little early. And, and now I'm here, still kind of recovering from, from that sunburn and, and now the migraine. So here we are. Fuck, man. I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense now. Like that, like, because you were kind of talking about your migraine. I didn't understand it. And then like once we I've got... I've never had a migraine before. Yeah, I know. yeah, I know. I was telling Natasha that. I was like, I. she's like, he's never had a migraine. I'm like, I only had my first migraine like three years ago. And I fought with the person I was with all day saying, no, I don't have a fucking migraine. I, then finally I was like, look, I'll make you happy and I'll take a fucking migraine pill. And like in 45 minutes, I was better. I, I, was, I was certain that was, was going to happen to you, man. I'm 
sorry. So, I mean, no. what you think it's just like just just from getting beat on Saturday? Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. I really do. Yeah, I mean, we're old, you know. Shit like that takes it out on us, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, speaking of being old, I have nothing to tell you about my personal life other than I changed floors. I ripped out carpet and changed floors, and I put up a fence at the house. That was all I did. Oh, yeah. well, look at you! We got a lot done, but like it's yeah. just not exciting at all. No, that's that's homeowner life. Very, yep, real homeowner. Get shit. you some new balances uh-huh. and a riding mower. Yes, I don't have enough yard for a riding mower, but yeah, <laughs> I put a fence up. Nice. So the dog can be there next. I felt so bad we had to leave the dog, so I'd like get up early, take the dog to the park, get her all tired, and get her home, just and just leave her for like eight hours. We would have got so Inside, much more done if yeah. we didn't have to come home and like feed the dogs. But instead, like come five o'clock, we're like we have to leave. Like you can't, we can't just stay. So it. It's fine. Uh, we have a little bit more work to do, but everything's in good enough shape that we can move everything in next weekend. So that's it. Nice. I uh, said I didn't have a lot going on in my life. Let me play you some audio from our comedians for the week. This guy has been on Hunk with Mike Bridenstine last week. That's when I first heard of him last week. Uh, I started following him on Instagram, and um, I liked a lot of his bits. So here's my favorite one of his. Uh, Alan, don't agree if you can relate. I feel like I'm pretty close to criminal, and I feel like we're all kind of close to criminal. You know, like, we've all done things that we're like, ah, I don't know about that, you know? Like, I don't know how many of you have been charged with a DUI, but we've definitely all got one in our heart. <laughs> I don't have a formal DUI, but I woke up in my bed many, many times just like... <laughs> what? <laughs> Everything's fine? Sure, God. Yeah, why not? Why not let this be okay? <laughs> Just go ahead and <laughs> encourage me. That's what you're going to get, baby. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, not bragging. Just like, fuck. Like, you can't tell me that that's okay. Like, there has to be some, like, small, at least small personal loss that you have to experience so that you don't fucking do that again, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I mean we're older now. I mean I guess we're it's not something now. you grow. Like, I, 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 I straight up to, don't. But like I'll take an Uber or I'll yeah, something like that. it's like, so easy now. Like it, but yeah, there's it, options now. It, it used to be, you know, like once you have a few in you, it became easier to make that mistake. And like yeah. all of the, and I, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this humbly, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, okay, all right. I should probably move on. We don't encourage I talking that, about it. yeah. But I have some stories. This is Andy Woodhall again. Thin walls. I hear everything that happens in my neighbor's apartment. I assume that he hears everything that happens in my apartments. Weird sometimes. The one upside is if I'm ever running low on something, I can just say, Alexa, order toilet paper. And then if I can get it from his front door before he notices, free toilet paper. <laughs> he goes on to talk about how like he can hear lies that he tells his friends. It was pretty funny, but it was like, that's I, like, I was just like, that nice little punchline there. That's funny. And uh, we lost someone today. I don't know if you've been on the internet enough, because I'm sure screens hurt your eyes, but uh, Gilbert Gottfried passed away this afternoon. Did you hear about this? I was aware of this. Yeah, I don't know the details, just that he passed away. Me, me either, actually. I don't know the details either. And you know, Oh, wait. Yeah. I think he was fighting cancer. Fuck. <sighs> 67? Yeah. Like, in my like head, that. he was older because he looked old. He had, like, just... He like, had an old man was... look for, like, the last few decades. Like, yeah. Well, because he, yeah. he was short, too, and skinny, and he just kind of looked like a hunched-over, like, Larry King of a man. But, <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. you know... Uh, yeah, from what? Wasn't he like the counselor or whatever in um, Problem Child? 
make, making him the second most annoying person in that movie. I hated that. <laughs> I never watched those movies because like I watched a little bit. I was like, I don't like this kid. And I was a kid. I was like, fuck this kid. This kid's a little <laughs> shit. Like, why am I watching a movie about some shitty fucking kid? And then they made sequels. Anyways, here's a I remember. Here's a clip of Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, this is what this is not what got him fired from the Affleck doc. I'll tell you that after this. I have to catch a flight to California. I can't get a direct flight. They said they have to stop at the Empire State Building first. He told that at the Friars Club roast in 2001, like three weeks after 9-11. Oh, wow. Dude, the guy was always using humor. He was always edgy. Yeah. For tragedy. I mean, it is edgy, but he's, he, you know, he understood that you know, comedy and humor are tools to deal with accepting tragedy, right? Um, yes. And it might bother you, but like, just remember that. Like, somebody, everybody's learned that at some point in their life. Like, even the people that get upset about this, they fucking know that, you know? Like, yeah, I think so. And well, he got fired from the Affleck duck because he was Affleck. Uh, and he was also Jaffa. <laughs> but when he was Affleck, he, uh, the tsunamis in Japan happened and he had a string of tweets and Affleck was like we have to distance ourselves from this and one of those was like I uh I I just my 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 Japanese girlfriend broke up with me but I'm not worried another one will float by soon something like that wasn't that funny either but it was like early Twitter too so it was like where comics would go on to sort of work out jokes um and up and see what sticks yeah so he yeah so he got why would you pay anybody to say Affleck because all they did was hire somebody else to do a duck impression they're like well (laughs) he's not even doing an impression he just did a Gilbert Godfrey voice right so I I I looked all over for the audio of my favorite uh Gilbert Godfrey quote uh joke I can't find it so I will entertain everyone with it at the end of the show but you have to stick around to the end well if you haven't heard it uh hear him do the aristocrats yeah it's nine minutes and I wasn't putting it on the show it's (laughs) nine (laughs) minutes like Alan what's what's the aristocrat joke in a nutshell without making the joke of it just what's the framework of it uh because it won't be funny story about an act you try to make it as gross and and awful as possible and the guy's pitching an act you're telling the story about someone pitching an act to like a a, an agent yeah. And then it's just kind of absurd, you know, because the, the punchline is, what do you call it? And it's the aristocrats. Yeah. But he makes it nine fucking minutes. Yeah. Like, well, there's a whole movie yeah. with just comedians doing that joke, yes. that one joke, yeah. in their own version of it. I think Bob yeah. Saget did one of them, too, right? Bob Saget was pretty yeah. <laughs> out there, too. It's, it's amazing because if you ask any average person that's under, like, if me or you tried to do our version of it, we would do almost the exact same one. It would involve like incest and defecation, right. blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't understand how like you, you can have the wherewithal to pull new versions of it. You, you know, right. like that for nine minutes, for nine minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's keep the little, uh, chuckled, chugging along yeah chugging along um and we'll go into a slightly humorous bit from 95 where uh david letterman was asking bill gates to describe the internet to him but but you know i think about this and and what about this internet thing do you do you know anything about that sure what what is that exactly well, it's, it's become a place where people are publishing information. Right. So you, everybody can have their own homepage. Companies are there, the latest information. It's wild what's going on. You can send electronic mail to people. Uh, it is the big new thing. Yeah, but what know, were you uh, doing in 95? It's easy to criticize something you don't I was on really understand, which is my position here. Go ahead. But I, I can remember a couple of months ago, there was like a big breakthrough announcement <laughs> that on the Internet or on some computer deal, they were going to broadcast a baseball game. You could listen to a baseball game on your computer. 
And I just thought to myself, does radio ring a bell? <laughs> Did you hear Bill Gates laugh? I just thought to myself, does radio <laughs> ring a bell? <laughs> you know, wait till he finds out about podcasts, Alan. Wait, just wait. That was only 27 years ago. That, yeah. That's, that's pretty That wild. is crazy, right? That's like when you see the, like, when you consider that the distance between the plane in, being invented around the turn of the century mm-hmm. and the landing on the moon. on the moon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, speaking of things that are bananas, let's uh, have a little joke from Saturday Night Live. Slickit sent us uh, about Bitcoin. It hurts my feelings. Business leaders in Miami are hoping to make the city <laughs> the cryptocurrency capital of the country because just like crypto, Miami won't be around in about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> the audience laughs and then goes, hey, I have a lot of money tied up in that joke. Did you right. hear it? They're like, oh. Like, who would boo a crypto joke? Oh, it's probably a climate change joke. I, I was going to say, it's the climate change <laughs> It's the climate change part, part of that. Yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got Miami makes an appearance in the show later on. We have a clip from the first Mi- native Miamian mayor of Miami, which is bananas to me. Um, here is, did that make sense? So he's the first native born. Yeah, it took me a second to process. It's also weird though, right? That is weird, yeah. Uh, A lot of new laws in the books. Uh, new law in Oklahoma was signed today. Um, uh, but just bad, uh, 10 years for abortions and providing them. Um, also new law in Texas. And here's the onion reporting it. Texas just banned consensual sex. The Texas state legislature has passed a law making all consensual sex acts illegal. Governor Greg Abbott signed the bill into law stating that consensual sex has always stood against traditional family values and now it's finally illegal too. Anyone caught engaging in consensual sex will now face a minimum of 10 years in prison. Where there's no sex at all. We all know (laughs) that. That is so funny and absurd, but also like... Consensual sex it has no place in family values. That, that is that is brilliant. That is like wow. I know. I can I imagine know. a politician saying that the next time. It's you know it does sound believable. You're like, wait, but how do you produce this family? All right. Oh, non consensual sex. You still have sex, Alan, but you just oh, you marry got them. It. Got it. It's That's not, a family value. You can't it's not the R word when it's your wife. Everybody knows this. If it's not a law, it is in Texas. Oh Jesus. Uh, hey, it's just satire. So, right. speaking of satire, the birds people have to apologize again. I'd like to apologize for what I did yesterday. So, the man that says birds aren't real, um, he fucking docks to the reporter, Taylor Lorenz. Uh, or she's in on it. I never fucking know with them. But anyways, here's his apology video. I would like to apologize for what I did yesterday. I doxed somebody <laughs> online. And even though it was a bad person that I doxed, and even though I didn't even know what doxing meant. Doxing is a criminal offense. Time. Punishable by one year in prison. I know, I, I know, I didn't My know client that. is prone to most outbreaks. <laughs> uh, just to clarify, Lieberman and Reese LLP has no involvement with this online activity. <laughs> so there. I am not prone to emotional outbreaks. <laughs> I would just like to take this time to apologize to Instagram and to our thousands of followers. Honey, let's go. We have reservations. Let's go. Two minutes. Two minutes here. Two minutes. Two minutes. Hold on. I would just like to apologize to Instagram and to our followers. Thank you. Thank you. It's so dumb. I'm sorry. I I, just... Yeah. It amazes me that he gets able to continue this bit as long as he has. I don't know how he keeps coming up with new angles. 
I don't either. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that funny with the whole honey, we got to go, but, no, like, but it, it was still funny. Like, it's How like, many views did that thing get? Oh, millions. Millions, yeah. yeah. He started a, a podcast or a YouTube channel. He had a guest on. He's like, so you don't think birds are real? And she's like, no. I mean, how could you prove they're not real? I mean, I just saw a hummingbird outside. And he goes, well, prove to me that they are real. <laughs> got me there. <laughs> It's like it's it's so simple. Like it's just so simple. It's funny as hell to me. A little bit of a transition. We've got a old clip I saw uh, making the rounds this last week of Carl Sagan. I think we both are huge fans of Carl Sagan. Wrote, yeah. He wrote the book Contact. Did you know that he wrote Contact, the story? I think the I did Contact. know that. I forget Vaguely, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wrote some. Uh, he wrote some fiction. Some fiction. Yeah. Well, here he is uh, talking about nuclear war during the Cold War. Imagine a room awash in gasoline, and there are two implacable enemies in that room. One of them has 9,000 matches. The other has 7,000 matches. Each of them is concerned about who's ahead, who's stronger. Well, that's the kind of situation we are actually in. The amount of weapons that are available to the United States and the Soviet Union are so bloated, so grossly in excess of what's needed to dissuade the other, that if it weren't so tragic, it would be laughable. What is necessary is to reduce the matches and to clean up the gasoline. Isn't it wild? Like I, We played a clip maybe a month ago where we, they were talking about how in the 80s, Reagan and... Uh, Gorbachev, they had a deal like, uh, you know, they had a deal almost on paper to completely denuclearize. And since they the U.S. wanted to keep doing its Star Wars defense program, um, they, you know, it just never happened. Like we were that close. Yeah. And so we still have the probably more matchsticks out there now at this point and more countries holding them. So it's only worse. Yeah, but statistically, nobody has anything compared to how much the U.S. and Russia do. And Russia. Because, That's correct. And, and the other countries uh, ostensibly are fine with drawing down. They're just like, well, we need to keep our handful because you two might turn crazy and we don't, you know, we got to at least have something that you respect people that have these. Yeah, well, and there are a number of countries that have agreed not to, you know, to have their own nukes because they've signed deals with with us um, that we would protect them in the case of a nuclear war. So, but you can—I mean, we've been seeing for the last month, and we'll talk about it later in the show. What you can do under the, you know, the um, the posture of being a nuclear-powered country, what you can yes. get away with. Um, the French are having—they had their first round of elections. Um, one of the candidates is a candidate named Eric Zemmour. And he kind of has had a he, so he was a former former news host like a Tucker Carlson or something right and yeah. and turned candidate and here's a here's a clip about how they kind of questioned you know with it like in in Europe they like fine you for saying things on the air that are racist or insensitive and they. Uh, and they've done it several times to him, but it doesn't affect his popularity, and it's not much of a fine without much money he has. Although I was surprised at how low his worth was. Surprising. Here, let me play the clip. We have Eric Zemmour, who has been convicted many times for racial incitement. But what do the penalties amount to? 
Even when Zemmouris fined 30,000 euros, what is that against a net worth that is estimated at 4 million euros? These sanctions are not right? much of a deterrent yeah. compared to what he gains via these discriminatory and stigmatizing speeches. So, I mean, I don't, I don't care to measure his wealth, but I thought that was inter- that was kind of a lot lower than I had expected. But yeah, it's lower than I would expect too. Yeah. Um, he only got like I want to say five percent, five six percent of the runoff. So yeah. he's so not he's out. Be in nope. It. Yeah. I think he was surprised by that. Well, so he was kind of the Le Pen during this. So okay, the, uh, in their last election in twenty seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, where uh, what's the guy now? Macron. Macron. I get him and Trudeau confused because of the French and French Canadian thing. Oh, um, the French. Ah, the French. So uh, th- it was a, a close race then, and um, Le Pen lost. Le Pen is the head of the right wing party there. It was national national? It's a far right nationalist yeah. party. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah. Um, and F shit in that book that we were talking about, the road to freedom, there's, there's like very clear ties to her being paid by the Kremlin. Um, and mm-hmm. like post that election, that was like pretty well established and reported on, um, didn't matter. She, it's her and, uh, you just yeah. said his name, what, not Macron, Macron. Her and Macron. Yeah. yeah are, are, yeah, they're going to have an election on one of them. Now she's toned down her rhetoric from how she was in the last election, um, and maybe that's made her more palatable, but I, you know, it, it's unsettling when Vladimir Putin's choice of candidates is winning. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Now, she's really tried to pivot towards the younger generation, promising things like no income tax if you're under 30 years old, um, things like that. Um, but they get it wrong allowing... from a, like a conservative, in quotes, perspective, because she still says things like, you know, they'll put price caps on things like milk or something like that. And mm-hmm. and it's like okay, that distorts a market, and you, you can't say you're a conservative. So it's not. She's a she's nationalist. A populist. Yeah, yeah. You were listing things. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's fine. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Um, here is how you doing, by the way. I'm I'm all right. I'm pushing through. Okay. Um, I, I'll. So here's a clip from. It, it, this sounds like that guy on the Daily Show, that Clapper guy that like interviews people man on the street style it's not him it's something else kind of like that um they're asked if they would rather vote for putin or biden who would you rather have president uh, joe biden or vladimir putin i'm alan i'm gonna let you guess what she looks like oh putin definitely <laughs> and and, wh- um, and why is that um i believe he's been given a tough uh since since world war ii uh, Russia's been the bad guy, when in actuality the Nazis left Germany. And- oh, hold on, what do you what do you think she's wearing? <laughs> um, a red uh, yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, she's wearing MAGA stuff. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good. Left Germany, and they ended up going to the Ukraine, coming in here. George Bush was was actually, <laughs> thank you. George Bush was actually a Nazi. Oh, oh, <laughs> George Bush was a Nazi. Didn't see that coming. I, was she talking about his dad? I, I have no idea. I don't think she knows. And she says what you say, the Ukraine, which is a Russian phrase. I don't say it anymore. I wasn't aware of it then. I know. I like calling you out on it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's pivot away from I think I know the guy that was in that Instagram, but I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, I know. He does a lot of those. It's really funny. Yeah. I I didn't even see what broadcast it was from. It was just the... I think he just does it on Instagram. Ah, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, 
pivoting out of wackadoo and into just what the rest of the world thinks is a wackadoo, a personal favorite of mine, the great Ron Paul. He was being asked what um, what's led to him being like so consistent. What um, you know how how he thinks that why he thinks that there's less people like him in politics. What makes him so unique in that way? And I had a goal, and it wasn't to be in Congress. It wasn't to be into politics. People say, why'd you give up medicine and go into politics? I said, I never did that. I just got interested in policy, and I wanted to, uh, to speak out. But it was also that uh, I was disgusted with people saying one thing and doing something else. Is exactly what motivated me. So a lot of people would come to me, and they're running for Congress, and they would come, and and uh and tell me what they believed in it was all down the line okay but then uh i could tell within the first week on whether they were going to be uh with us or against us when it comes to the policies of liberty because as soon as they get there the influence becomes overwhelming this is kind of what i played it for he talks about like you know people come in they're idealized uh but once you get there you know you're overwhelmed by it get there the influence becomes overwhelming they're enamored by all this but the leadership pays attention. They, you have your committee assignments to get, and you have to do what they tell you. And where are you going to be? And raising money. They have all these rules and regulations. So if you need, if you want your committee assignment, and if you want to get money for your district, you have to play ball. You got to be a team player. They would tell you, and uh, that sort of turned turned me off. And uh, I had no. Uh, personal need uh, to, to be in Congress, but I had a personal desire uh, to put out a message, get, you know, have a message to understand it and, uh, and talk about it. And if it's worthwhile, somebody will come to you and want you to do something. So I pretty much played that just for that last 15 seconds or so that because I, I, I just love that. I feel like that's what we've been doing, man. Like have a message, understand what your message is, and then just talk about it like keep putting it out there you know yeah uh, definitely definitely yeah. i i know i've read so many stories and sometimes even memoirs self-published memoirs of politicians who talk about that who talk about being idealized and having you know a desire to do something to create some change and they get there and they're faced with this behemoth of a system and all the special interests and all the lobbies and how difficult that is i, I can't remember I read a memoir. It was a Chicago politician talking about going against Chicago power and light. Like Barack Obama. Oh. No, it was pre him. Um, this is like uh-huh. 70s, maybe 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, just talking about how walking in, he had all these ideals. And then, you know, you're expected to play ball. And all the even the people on they're supposed to be on your team are like, you got to play ball, man. This is how we do it. Right. And he was like, no, this is not what I came here to do. Right. Uh, and how difficult that was. I can only imagine. But yeah, I mean. You know, we have the freedom on this platform to continue to do what we want. We don't have those interests coming at us, so we can keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's a blast, um, and it's rewarding. So, um, you you mentioned this last week how Obama was back at the White House, palling it up with uh, with Biden. There was a great video where. Um, Biden and Obama are sort of walking through a crowd, shaking hands, and then the camera sort of backed up and focused on Obama, and you could just see Biden sort of going like, "Where the fuck?" Nobody wants to talk to me. Like you're literally talking to my old boss here. Like he doesn't even work here anymore. Like just turning left and right. And like, nobody could shake his hand to save his life. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
kind of felt bad for him for a second. Oh, this is a clip. This is the clip show. Um, this is Obama speaking at that time. I there's just one point. There's this weird pause in it that I don't think you'll be able to. It you it it plays better on video. So I'm just going to tell you when it happens. Now, Joe Biden and I did a lot together. We helped save the global economy. Made record investments. Did you hear that guy like clear his throat? He goes, we, we helped save the global economy. And then he like pauses. But like, you know, he's a skilled politician. He can tell if he's going to get a good pop or not like really quick. Right. So immediately he kind of smirked like, hmm, not going to get anything for that. Okay, I guess I'll just move on. Like, listen, he goes. Economy. Made record investments. They just move it on. Like, uh, I, I, well, I did, yeah. I think he expected to get a pop there because there were all the memes about how they were like inseparable during their yeah. their time together in office. They were like always like practically singing kumbaya and holding hands. So I think he expected. I think Biden actually got a pop from a similar tracked joke um, later on in his speech. But you know, we're gonna play Anthony Blinken later, and mm -hmm. I, it's, it's, normally I like to call him a Blinken. Yeah, uh, me too. And just remember how Obama talks from that clip because I think I wanted to play Blinken. At before this to say it and then prove it, but I didn't put these clips in order before we did this show. Uh, here's Biden. You know, Biden, like you said, Biden had a good speech as well. Um, this is a different speech of his, though. This is one where he is talking, uh, announcing um, Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmed, being confirmed. Confirmed, yes. Let me close what I've long said. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot him. Uh, foot, 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 excuse me. I was in the foot him. Uh, foot, foot, excuse me. <laughs> what was the word? It, uh, I was in the foot him. Uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Oh. I, I, I. Well, I don't know. So what he was trying to say was, I was in the foothills with President Xi. Oh. But okay. like, oh, I was in the foothills of the Himalayas with President Xi. That's what he was trying to say. Um. That's not one word. So that's what not, was he like? That's that that's that's, that's many words. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, okay. yeah. D do you care? Like, does it no, matter what the fuck he said? Really. No. It's just funny. He can't fucking say. It. <laughs> All he had to do was say one word. America, we just find him one word. <laughs> uh, well, he had another good speech. This probably wasn't the one you were talking about, but this one got a lot of people excited. Not me, but uh, well, it got me excited by like the strict definition. I was not. That's happy. what unions are about, my That's what unions about are providing about. dignity and respect for people who bust their neck. That's right. why I created the White House Task Force on Worker Organization and Empowerment. Just for the record, this is not the part I hate him for. Like I respect and understand the role of unions. I have worked in a few industries that I felt did not need unions at the time, but I'm not anti-union. And I feel like, you know, I, I've, I, sometimes that shows up in the DMs and I have to clarify. Everybody always understands by the time I'm done explaining, but let's get it into the show. Um, <laughs> so this is him at a, um, a union. I can't remember what union it was. They had their words, their four letters in the background. Um, but it's more about how this clip ends. Did you have something? No, no, I, I know this clearly. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Make sure the choice to join a union belongs to workers alone. And by the way, by the way, Amazon, here we come. Watch. 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 Can I ask you a question, Alan? You, of course, that's why we're here. What the fuck is we in that sentence? 
<laughs> when he says Amazon, yeah, here we come. Like we is certainly problematic in that sentence. Um, I mean, I obviously he thinks of himself as a labor guy has been. Yeah. Basically his entire career as a yeah. politician. So it's not like that's coming out of nowhere. Um, but when you're the president of the United States and you say we, that means something different yeah. than when you're, right. you know, Senator Biden or even Vice President Biden. Yeah, when you're so. ruling over a plurality and you use words like we in that context, that's pretty fucking divisive. Like, like yeah. Because that's triggering. If you're like, hey, that's not something that represents me and you're saying we, now you're establishing an an other where you're supposed to be the fucking unity guy. Like, that's what... You know, if he was elected for anything, it was no mean tweets and unity. <laughs> I, but he I just don't know if he thinks, was elected for no mean tweets, but but unity definitely. But he just thinks because he's got an old operating system that we're still in the 70s and 80s. And if you're a good American, you believe in union jobs. And it's just been his fucking MO for so long. He's still on autopilot with that. And well, like, and he, every time he ad libs, you know, things like that um, or you know, some of the stuff that he's done with Ukraine or, or, you know, Putin, et cetera. This guy's got to go. This guy can't remain in power. Every time he ad-libs like that, it seems like he steps in it. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe we can get somebody in there and have him stop ad-libbing. But of course not. That's just yeah, who he is. No, like, then he'd have to read, change. which, you know, that's when the stutter comes up probably, though, right? Like, which I totally get. Like, it's, 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 you're in a weird dichotomy. You know what it sounds like? The time for him to, <clears throat> if he's going to be in an executive position of leadership, was probably about 20 years ago. Um <laughs> It's very frustrating to be ruled by 70-year-olds. Hey, we're not septuagenarians. Ruled, uh, yeah, you're right. We aren't. You're right. You're right. That's true. Um, except they pass things by decree, and that's not even in the news here. The, all right. Um, the, I mean, you know, when you talk about him having like, well, when I talk about him having an old operating system and you talking about him being like thinking of himself as like Mr. Union, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of other shit going on in our in our economy that he has a lot of say over. So yeah, you're right. We're not ruled by them, but he sets the, the, tone. the agenda. Yeah. The tone and the agenda. Uh, so you see it come up in things like the pro act and the pro act didn't get put through, but it's basically this, you know, massively pro union job, which on its face I am for, because when I, you know, when you think union, you think this is something that's beneficial to the workers. But what I don't like about it is that these are all things that have massive organizational structures and their lobbying ha- is is a political group. It has nothing to do with what happens for the workers. So that's the segment, that entity that comes with massive unions like this is what I'm against. And th- and he's basically in control. He's controlled by them, you know, in, in the way that other presidents have been controlled by other lobbying groups. And so so in the same way that like with Bush and Cheney, it was like, a through line of oil on every decision they ever made. It's the through line of union with everything that Biden does to the extent that he says things like we in that last clip or in that pro act, you know, it, 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 um, it's just, it's, it's what all of the lobbying groups have said it has a wish list that they've ever wanted put into a bill. And then what doesn't go through gets put into other things like, um, one of the huge recovery bills from this year, uh, or from last year was that was proposed and didn't go through. And it's probably part, it was part of Build Back Better was four hundred billion for like in home care. And you're like, okay, well, is there like um, like a think tank and uh, like a, a an outlined plan of how that money is going to get spent and it's going to be these certain programs? And we focus grouped it and shopped it and figured out why that's going to work and why four hundred billion is the right number. No, 
Nope. It was a specific union uh, was, is involved in the uh, drafting of that, and they would be, oversee how that money was spent. That's fucking corrupt. Like, that should bother you, whether you like the results or not. Would have been great to have, you know, it could be, and the way it was sold to us was it's good for minorities, which frankly sounds racist to me. Their implication was that uh, the those people in those in-home care nursing positions tended to be minorities. I'm done. You can talk to, although I know you have a headache. <laughs> well, um, so first of all, Bush, Cheney, uh, not just oil, also defense contractors. Um, so there's that. Um, and then as far as labor, it certainly had a lot of power. <laughs> Uh, I like that you one upped it in a way that I liked. I was like, that didn't bother me. Oh, good job. I get it. That was my intent. Uh, (laughs) So um, labor certainly has been a very powerful influence in U.S. politics for a long time. They've been losing power pretty consistently over the last decade and a half, maybe two, I would say. High watermarks when they killed the Kennedys, right? Oof. Uh, I think, yeah. Did you know that Kennedy would have lived if he didn't get uh, that PT-109? Okay, hold on. Are you going to lose where you're at? No, I, I don't know where you're going, though. Okay. I'm, I'm interested. So um, famous, like the PT boat captain, right? And he had to like drag all his men swimming and it was an accident or whatever. I actually don't remember so much of that details. Uh, but he came yeah, back yeah. with back issues. And he, because he had, uh, because he was a spoiled rich kid and had access to all of the newest experimental technologies, they kind of tested a bunch of new surgeries on him and everything made everything worse. Like if he would have gone with what the like more traditional approach would have been, he probably would have been better, but he's like, no, I like this doctor or whatever. And you know, that's what led to all of his addiction to the, you know, the, all, all the pills he was on. And well, there was the Addison's disease, but, and because of all of that, he had to wear a back brace and this wasn't all super well known. And so there's a lot of people like orthopedics or whatever. Those are for feet. That can't be right. Um, the people that have said, like, it's more of a modern conspiracy. Go ahead and drop that audio here. Atlanta didn't ever burn. Atlanta was a false flag operation. And Abraham Lincoln was a crisis actor. It's sort of a modern conspiracy that that first shot went through the neck. Probably would have killed him. Maybe not have. And he instinctually would have ducked. But he couldn't duck because of the back brace. Because of the back brace. Yeah. I had not heard any of that. I know. I learned that today. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know any of that. I don't even um, remember what you were talking Oh, I said that the unions had their high mark when they killed the Kennedys. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I think labor has been in decline for a while. We've seen a recent resurgence in the last year or two with, with you know, all the inequality. With Starbucks and Amazon. Yeah, and Amazon, things like that, which makes sense based on, as you said, the massive inequality that. There's no seen. middle class, right? It's ever smaller. And what happens to a society that doesn't have a middle class? Nothing good. Well, like, I mean, so like you, the dynamics of it are if you all you have is poors and elites, nobody's going to listen to the poor people complaining about anything, especially when the only people that would listen to them are people that have money, right? Like it's easy to ignore you because I'm fine and I don't care what you complain about anyways. You're a poor person. Now, you get oligarchs. Yes. Well, and so and the rich, the oligarchs, as we've seen with Russia, they get by. You know, you have sanctions, yeah. they have fine, they have ways to get around everything. If they have to leave the country, worst case, you know, um, but they have to move their yachts around so we don't take them. So, so when it's that scenario, nothing good ever gets done to advance that society. You need a middle class to complain and be heard and get and make progress. And, right. and you need, you need motion 
through yes. the classes as well. Also for... that, you need aspiration, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yes, right, because you can buy a nice three-bedroom house in the middle of Madison, Tennessee, uh, next to a farm if you're in a good middle-class <laughs> situation. That's aspirational. I, you know what? I have forgotten about all our segments. So uh, we did How About That earlier. We did Isn't That Something? And we flowed into making fun of the political left. Um, I, let's get into the right here. Uh, I think this guy belongs here. Do you, would you say Alex Jones should be someone we make fun of on the political right? Yes. Okay, here we go then. Yes. Here's his first kiss. first kiss. Oh my God! And all the other boys are like girls are gross. I'm like, no, they're not. I was kissing girls in kindergarten. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't have some sexual desire for my mother, but when what? I look at her, very beautiful blonde, you know, red lipstick, you know, very beautiful woman, I was like, I was like, mommy, yeah. that <laughs> looks really good. I like that. Uh, mommy. So I, I've always liked women. Wow. So uh, it it's fine because it wasn't gay, so it's okay, right? Oh, With his party, not between me and you. We don't care. Right. <laughs> Like they're like, ah, you could fuck Maybe your mom. You need to work that out with a therapist yeah. or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> red lipstick. Uh, he was into it. Yeah, okay. that, mommy. You should see the video. He's like looking up, like mommy. Okay, um, that's, that's a little weird. Yeah, I feel, I feel icky. Yeah, well, this I, won't make you feel it. any better. Okay. Are you a racist? <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I think you introduced me to this guy that I was like, well, at least he's a long shot and there's no way he's going to win. You're like, no, J.D. Vance is probably going to be the next, what, senator in Ohio? Governor? What's he running for? I think it's senator, yeah. Okay. So this is his newest ad in Ohio. Are you a racist? <laughs> Do you hate Mexicans? <laughs> then come on down to Ohio. Oh, Vote for guy. J.D. Vance for Senate. <laughs> Are you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. So you see where he's going with it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, he wrote not... that book, Hillbilly Elegy, which is. Um... Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why I recognize the name at least. Okay, so that was um, sort of picking on Trump's America because he was still a Democrat at the time, right? Well, it ostensibly. Was really a, a, ostensibly it was about the opiate crisis and everything that happened in the middle of appalachia essentially right mm -hmm. yeah sorry yeah yeah um wait so, wait yeah, have neither of us read it or watched the movie because i didn't i didn't either I, I'm, I'm aware of it but yeah. i didn't watch it but that was back in 2016 so that's kind of what brought him to fame Got I think. It. and now he's sort of pivoted with his politics to where he is now um yeah i think he's gonna do really well his um his delivery is good. He really nails the the character. Like he really knows how to really end there. He yeah. he nails the character. He's got. He, I mean, like it better than going on TV and talking about what's true and what should bother you and what you should vote for. Um, he does a great yeah. job of manufacturing. This is cultural bullshit, which we will get into plenty of this episode. Yes, yes. I believe. Yeah. We're kind of dipping our toes in. Um, right. So this, uh, moving forward, um, Chuck Grassley. So he was one of the senators that really, I, I mean, he wasn't the one that got a lot of airplay, but he, you know, he, he was in that same group of people with the Hollies and the... Um, mm -hmm. Cawthorn? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, taught, you know, they, they were... We're grilling Jackson over leniency on on child Pedophile. pedophiles, yeah. yeah. And uh, this was a response back in Iowa. So Grassley was back in his home state of Iowa, and a uh, someone, uh, one of his constituents, said this. Yeah, got to forgive this guy's voice. He's an old haggard farmer. 
and they just beat her up really bad. And I think it was just appalling. That's all they could come up with. And the main thing they did this for is so they could get TV time. I got to say he's wrong there. He said the main thing they did this for was so that they could get TV time. What do you think I would say the reason they did this for? To um, rile up the culture wars? Well, they did it to attach a specific word and an idea to this political entity, to this woman, for the rest of her political existence. She will always be soft on pedophiles. Just it, It'll cross your mind. Even, even ours. It'll cross our mind that she was accused of that. It, for the rest of it. And it's strictly out of revenge for what happened to Kavanaugh. Like, it's, it's all it is. They're like, well, if you did this and we're going to do that. I can't, I can't believe that it's any, anything other than that. No, they, they've, I believe they just said that. They, they've said, like, look, we're not happy about the, they actually said it in her confirmation hearings. Like, you know, the way you guys treated Kavanaugh, you know, this is, you know, why we're doing this, essentially. Um, said the quiet yeah, part out loud? Yeah. They've been, they've been <laughs> yeah, hearing they that a lot recently. Yeah. Um, they both do, though. Both also, do. I want to say it was MTG, one of those on the right, the far right there, that um, said that the entire left, the entire Democratic Party was just a bunch of pedophiles. Um, which is like, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll skip right to that if you don't mind. <clears throat> oh, you, oh, you have it. Okay. That, no, it's not an audio. That was fucking oh, okay. Bobert. And okay. that was a hilarious. So it was a tweet that she put out that said that. And she says like, and I've had, I, as a mom, I'm sick of it. I've had enough with them. And it's like my sister in Christ, your husband was arrested, pled to it, spent days in jail and two years on probation for exposing his dick to, to minors in a bowling alley. We talked yeah. about this on the show. We did. We did. He was like, you wouldn't believe what it looks like. And they said, I don't want to look at it. He's like, no, really, it does. And he showed it to them. Like, that was, and like. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. So you were, she was with, she didn't date him afterwards and find out and forgive him. Like, she bailed she him out. Him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like. During, yes. Oh, but by all means, who's the groomers? Okay. Hey, like, it's not supposed family to, values. Yeah. Fam, family well, values. that's why. Yes. Yes. Family values. Um. This is, uh, you know, let's skip. Do Donald, I, have, I had a clip. There's nothing to it. Trump endorsed Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. I only wanted to include it because I know we're both fans of Fetterman in Pennsylvania. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm not one of the two parties in this country, but sometimes, I mean, I don't live in Pennsylvania, so I'm not going to fucking vote for this guy anyways. <laughs> but, you know, you have horses you pull for, and that's yeah. a Democrat that I really like. Um, if you're interested, follow. I mean, he's got a good Facebook, Instagram presence. Uh, I'd recommend yeah. him. Yeah, he's great on Twitter. I'd, I'd recommend him. Um, so, yeah, more uh, more hearings. So this is a uh, Lloyd Austin was in front of the Senate for some reason, and um, Matt Gates from Florida was maybe, maybe there's some some committee. Um, so we'll talk about Gates more in uh, the next clip after this. But you've seen this exchange; it was all over Instagram. This is Matt Gates from Florida. Getting into a heated exchange with the fucking with the Secretary, Secretary of Defense, Defense. Yeah. Lloyd Austin, uh, who was just at fucking Raytheon before this bullshit that he got hired right out of that. But <laughs> um, but that's not what he argues with him for. He argues with him over culture war. Mm -hmm. While everyone else in the world seems to be developing capabilities and being more strategic, we got time to embrace critical race theory at West Point, to embrace socialism at the National Defense University, to do mandatory pronoun training. Do you it's, accept? You know, it's, it's, uh, There's a lot of back and forth. There's no fucking air between any of them talking. What about that first part bothers you? <laughs> 
Uh, well, he's he's making a mutually exclusive. Like two things can yes. be equally true, right? right? Like this isn't binary. You can have that, and you can have the other thing too. Right? Um, They're not like, not learning how to be murderers or whatever it takes to be yeah whatever be, yeah. How to because they're learning yes yes yeah yeah I, I yes i was uh generalizing or what's the word <laughs> better word for that uh, i think generalizing is okay fine. um okay, i'm gonna play this on training do you it's, accept you know it's it's again this is the most capable the most combat credible force in the world it has been and it will be so uh, going forward not if and we this continue down this path. To do that. Not if we embrace socialism. The, the fact that you're embarrassed by your by your country. By oh no no, country, no! I'm embarrassed by I'm, your leadership. I'm sorry for I am that. not. A- Dude, the fucking balls! Like, can you imagine that? <laughs> for Matt Gates, your- yes, I can. Uh, yeah. I'm leadership. Sorry for I am that. not embarrassed for my country. I wish it's we were not losing saying. to China. It's I what wish you're we saying. Were, you know what? The that's you know that is so. That is so disgraceful that you would sit here and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. You guys said that that Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense Mm. University actually. Okay, mixed thoughts on the first one. He's not wrong on the second one. I, I would say it's more of the intelligence agencies than Department of Defense, but. DOD has intelligence agencies. Be better at them if the National <laughs> Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun That's not the part because- that's... So, so, so if we're talking about intelligence failures, the, the training that they're getting at the, the academy isn't the, the, the It's thing like, oh, we that. skipped that because we had a half day on fucking, right. you know. And I, and I promise you they're not learning legal theory, critical race theory. They're learning no. whatever Republicans are calling it at this time. Right. And a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done and our allies have done? But that was big to your flaw. I got to say, I question this man's strategy only because he's engaging. Like, like that's where he fucked up. And it's like, whoa, hold on. Like, you're kind of like a leader. Rise above it. Yeah. That was baked into your flawed assessment. And so I saw that the Obama administration tried to destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. I yield back. Jesus (laughs) Christ. I mentioned we were going to have Miami's first native Miamian on on this show. Um, So here he is being interviewed by The Economist. The they're holding this bat interview in a fucking bathroom. I swear to it. Um, so they're talking about staff shortages at the beginning, uh, what Florida is doing differently about it, what he would like to see done. And I was really impressed with his response. I'll pause it towards the middle because there's a follow up to it, which I, I kind of like that too. Plus, it sets up the rest of the show. I'm curious to what extent you're hearing from businesses here how much of an issue hiring is bathroom, right? Definitely bathroom, yeah. Um, and how it's a huge issue. Resolve in Florida. I think it's a huge issue across the country. I don't think it's a Florida issue. True. And I think, frankly, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'll say it anyways. I mean, I think we have to really seriously talk about immigration policy in this country. We have to look at legal immigration and, and, and look at whether or not the current levels of legal immigration are serving our country well or whether they should be increased significantly. Right. And I mean, significantly. It's a way of changing the conversation. Right from this whole concept of illegal immigration and the border and this, that, and the other. To, wait, what's what best serves our country? A and B. First, I gotta say, uh, I I got I like this guy. I don't know if he's a Democrat or Republican. I have no idea. 
I, I like this guy. I wish I could vote for him just, just on this one data point. Um, <laughs> like I, and not the least of which is I like how he talks. Like he actually sounds like someone I've met before. Like he doesn't sound like, like I talked about Obama and I guess I didn't play Blinken. I thought I ripped that. Oh, well the, Oh no, it comes up later. Um, like, you know, that stilted political speak. He's just like, yeah. he's kind of rolls. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I, I don't know his politics either. I, but I he said really changing immigration, uh, increasing our numbers, and he says by a lot. Yeah, I agree with all of Legal that. Legal immigration. That's the, that's the answer to this. You've got a problem with illegal immigrants. Make it easier for people to come here legally. Yeah, we have a labor shortage. Like that's that, How does that not make sense? And, and when people start describing the ways that illegal immigrants bother them, they're like, they commit crimes, they do this, that, and that. It's like, right, all things that you would do if you lived somewhere illegally and had no legal way to get by. Right, exactly. Like, you're almost getting it. I'm not saying open borders. I'm saying make a larger number of immigrants legally come here that so Possible, that it doesn't yes. feel like, when we talked about earlier about there being no middle class, right? Like, the number is set so low, there is no aspiration. You just have to do it illegally. Yeah. We're a country of immigrants. I mean, my parents came to this country. My dad came when he was 12. My mom came when she was seven. You know, this is the greatest country in the world. And why would you get in trouble for saying so? No, I just because, you know, it's sort of a counter narrative sometimes to the political, with the political rhetoric of, of the day. He didn't take that bait, but he didn't say that's not what he's saying. <laughs> no, One other question about the direction of the Republican Party in Florida. I mean, if we look at this legislative session, um, it would suggest like a real turn to the right, whether it's discussing gays or race in classrooms or um, abortion at 15 weeks. Is this I'm, the direction that plays well in Florida, do you think, with conservatives? I'm not about making a statement. I'm about making a difference. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like awkward silence. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to add anything on the I don't think I have to. Do you hear him say, I don't think well, I have to? Thank you, yeah. I like that, man. I mean, that was clearly a jab at Tallahassee, right? It, it definitely was. And I think I figured out where they were. He, he must have just finished, like, uh, playing football or something and he was in the shower or highlight and they were in the racquetball court yeah there you go yeah the, the post uh the post gym shower that's interview. it it's locker room talk alan exactly oh i wonder if he no don't say it just don't say it it's low-hanging fruit um so this kind of leads into what i want to have our big story for the week be um and maybe i'm on an island here but uh i, I feel like there's a word that's been going around that seemed to come out of nowhere and be used to discuss topics that have been simmering and kind of already there and known for a while and then just had like a flashpoint in this last week. So I'm going to ease into it. I'm going to be gentle, you know, especially when it's going to be sort of bigger like this. You know, uh, I'm just going to work it in. And the way that we're going to work it in is this clip from The Economist again. Uh, it's later on in that same episode because they were kind of dealing with Florida. And this uh, I titled this clip Disney versus DeSantis. Florida's main industry is is growth, is population, rather than any particular business. And I wonder if that's what enables Ron DeSantis to take sort of business oppositional stances, right? Telling businesses that they can't mandate vaccines, taking sort of oppositional stance against Disney, which protested his don't say gay bill. I'm going to come back to that, but I want to stick on that first part first. So it's weird. Like you think of Florida and they talk about it being like the freest state in the country and blah, blah, blah. Um, however, that, that really is leveraged on what your opinion, uh, in politically is. It's like, it's like when you hear about the founding of the U S it's like, we want freedom of religion. As long as you're Protestant or Catholic, 
<laughs> right. right. As long as you stay in this particular lane. Yeah, we we want a country with both religions, Protestant and Catholic, <laughs> where we don't hate each other. Like, so um, in, in that same sense, you know, it, it's not free when you're telling businesses that what they can and can't do. that you can't enforce a mask. Right. Right. Because right. freedom is you can do something that no one around you wants. You, uh, you know, it's like how there were laws against black people eating at diners. That's because. People were saying like, hey, I keep trying to not let these blacks eat here, but I couldn't point to a law. Can't we just put a law there? It's like, well, that's not freedom. Jesus Christ. Like, that's the same thing to say, like, masks in that way, right? Um, did, I, did, I, did I go too far? <laughs> I mean, they might have been Was it when I said blacks? There, but I, I understood. When okay. you're, what you're I do make a point of not saying mo- modifiers after color descriptions of people, like whites, blacks. Like, it's just, it, it, it's, I feel like it's the ultimate... Um, What's it called with when you do lowest, lowest, not lowest common denominator, but like when you've like refined it the most, um, that because every, every other word was just a PC correction that was always had like an echo of the racist word that it was replacing. Right. It's like me and you kind of grew up saying African-American. And I feel like some point in like the two thousands were like, it feels like that was a replacement for colored, which was a replacement for Another word Other that words. replaced yeah. the big and like, like we can just say black people or blacks, whatever. Like, of course they're people. I had someone yell at me over that. I'm like, Jesus, you think I think that's not people? Like, please, <laughs> like, give me some credit in this conversation. Wow, I'm clearly sensitive to this. Should I back up a little and play the rest of that? Let's play the rest. Of that. Positional stance against Disney, which protested his "Don't Say Gay" bill. How would you characterize the relationship between DeSantis and the the big businesses in his state? I think that the headline is that Florida is pro-business, but you are seeing this really interesting thread with this battle with Disney. Disney was pointed to as a company that embodied the California exodus, quote-unquote, to Florida. Um, And yet now Disney is in Governor DeSantis's crosshairs for its opposition to the the parental rights or don't say gay bill. And we've seen a similar thing happen in Texas where the business lobby has lost control of the Republican Party. And that's my interpretation of what's going on in Florida. It's true that comparatively, Florida is pro-business, but many Republicans in the state will choose to push social issues over pleasing chief executives. I think that like in the relatively recent past um last few decades probably since the 80s at least um big business has generally been associated with the the republican party in this Mm, country uh i think that's pretty fair to say um i think that it hasn't always been the case there's certainly but it's kind of been a given right yeah but it's kind of been a given if you're a ceo of a multi-billion dollar company you're probably a republican i mean that's just kind of been expected right there's been some shift in that recently and I think with what happened during the Trump administration, everything with Jan 6, and you saw these large corporations like Coke and other corporations like that. Who, AT&T. AT&T, who typically... Although they either, did come back, how they cut their yeah, funding. But, but typically wouldn't either comment on politics, uh, or if, if they were, it would be very sort of a veiled, you know, they were on the Republican side. Um, and so there's been a break there. And I still think that for the most part, Republicans tend to see themselves as the pro corporate side uh-huh. of the aisle, but maybe that's not that that's their own perception as opposed to what's what it's looked like from corporate America on the other side. Yeah, because like that's what we're saying in that clip is they're clearly not 
um, the party that's against regulation, like that's regulation, like what you're describing with laws like that is a form right. of regulating. And uh, what's happening in Florida is they're threatening to remove that special status that Disney had, which um, gave them all kinds of like tax breaks and kind of mm. uh, let them uh, kind of be almost their, their own little fiefdom inside of Florida um, back when they first got there, like in the 60s. So, and that's a pretty big deal. That's because Disney has come out against this, this don't say gay bill. Um, they even had, um, one of the charities they were donating to won't refu- refuse to accept their money until they, they, uh, one of the charities who was don- the donut Disney, that Disney, Disney was. was, and then yeah. Disney last week, like doubled down and said, we got a bunch of features coming out that are going to include, I don't, I don't remember. They said they're going to Disney Plus. You had to like log in to, and to uh, change the settings so you could see TVMA on your home screen. No, I didn't see that. So if you didn't log in and, and change the option, it would no longer show anything TVMA or above huh. on your on your Disney Plus screen. I mean, so I, what's like, I mean, they're mostly a kids network, or they're famous for that. I think that seems appropriate, don't you? Yeah, it was weird that they just did that then, though, right? Like that oh. just happened. Like, so how is that a response to this? Well, I think that they're trying to say we're we're still family friendly. Oh, I see. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. So the angle is sure, nice move, but why didn't you do that earlier? Is that what you were saying, or is that what that was? What I, I, heard? I I guess that would be the counter narrative. Right. I, I I was just saying I think that was their motivation in doing it. Is because of it being yeah. a, a thing. Yeah. Um. Well, all this is beating around the bush. Like I said, that was just the tip. Can, can we talk about the G word? Ew, you know what? I just realized how inappropriate that metaphor is considering the following topic. What, what is the word? Grooming. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I didn't even follow that. I was like, what is... Okay. So listeners, Alan would have like, you know, grabbed me by the collar a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Sorry to bring you here. Um, there, there, you know, this... So... This word has blown up in the past maybe two weeks, but I think it's high watermark, hopefully high watermark, was this last year, last week. Um, so, Alan, is this, is, this, is this just what's been showing up to piss me off online and the algorithm's working, or have you been seeing an uptick in that word over the I last week? I have definitely been seeing an uptick in this word as Do well. you want to set it up because I put my foot in my mouth so thoroughly? <laughs> so essentially, you want me to define the word? Sure. or how, And how it's being used. Yeah, so essentially, um, it is a, a older man who um, seeks companionship with a, a younger girl, not sexually at first, um, and just sort of makes friends with her. Perhaps. Oh, like Drake did with that girl from Stranger Things. Okay, yeah, like that. Um, I don't know that, but okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes they um, help them along with their careers. I saw one example of a congressman somewhere, like, you know, helping this girl become the head of the Future Farmers of Association, Future Farmers Association of America, uh-huh. uh, in his county or whatever, when she was, you know, like fifteen years old, uh, okay. and then kind of worked with her, um, helped her get into college, et cetera, and then married her when she was like twenty-one and he was fifty. Or oh, something. like that's, Celine that's Dion's of, agent, right? That's the sort of story. Um, so this is the the big topic that's going around and saying that um, one side is grooming is the groomer side, the other side isn't, et cetera that they're putting policies in place to allow this to happen. There was that whole, uh, it was in Tennessee, actually. Um, that's probably why you heard a lot about it, mm. was they, they tried to do that alternative marriage bill that didn't have a um, a date of consent for for marriage in it, at least to begin with. And they, they all said it was just an oversight. Oh, we just forgot that part. Um, 
but the pushback on the other side was, look, you're trying to legalize marrying kids, essentially. Yeah, which is hilarious. Not hilarious. That part's not hilarious. But what's hilarious about that whole scenario is it was a fucking afterthought because you know what that bill was written for? It was to get rid of gay marriage. It was to define marriage, marriage, and it's in quotes, between a man and a woman, or between one man and one woman. It was like creating a second type of marriage, essentially. Right, and then they're like, hey, you don't put an age in here. And they're like, oh, that's the part you noticed? Because this was about (laughs) undermining gay marriage, but okay. Right. So the way it's been going around in memes is that the Democratic Party is the party of grooming, and that's why they support... Um, Disney. That's why we eased in with that. Um, but there's other examples and it's what we've been talking about with like you, what's, what do they call it? It's, it's not called the don't say gay bill. I don't have a problem with calling it that because I have thick skin. It's the parental whatever. Rights yeah. Or something. And, but the, you know, the intention of which is to not. Okay. So, so there's two ways of reading it, reading it on its face. It is to say that you can talk about X, Y, and Z when you're a teacher. It's weird that I use X and Y. The <laughs> You can talk about the subjects of being a teacher, um, and up until third grade, none of those subjects should have anything to do with sex or sexuality Gender uh, identity in, in front of a kid, which, right. like, my argument last week was I'm pretty sure they have an HR department that says, hey, if you talk about sex around kids, like we like we have a big problem with that and you signed that sheet before you got hired but right. I, I i i understand that that you know you're talking about the people that are influencing your children so it's a hot button issue um and they're saying that the only people that would want to talk about that are people on the political left which i would say on its face at least that idea that the group of people that are pushing that politically in the US is the left however I don't, I don't, I still would go to my previous statement of, you know, you're not, I, I don't think that it was ever really appropriate to be talking about these subjects to third graders. It feels like an invented um, problem, right? Like, like it wasn't ever happening. And, and now we're just going to say, oh, look, they want to make that happen. Or if it was so happening, to create the, if the it, fight, yeah, the culture uh, war. Right. I, I mean, if it was happening in, in the extent that it was, it was already happening, and it was a reflection of the culture of social justice that has been more emphasized over the last decade or so. So along with that came more activists everywhere. Like, people talk about shit at your work, probably, that you would never would have talked about at work 10 years ago. And it's because people are comfortable you know, saying, like, these are my personal beliefs, and these are the ways that I expect everyone to be different around me. Okay, well, yeah, in that sense, that probably is coming up as a subject in school a time at a, you know, a percentage that I can't measure. Um, sure. And, and that, but, but so this all goes to a question for me. And the question is, is this just online, like very online right wingers confusing their echo chamber for a viable political opinion? <laughs> well, I, I think that what has happened is that these culture wars have come to define their platform. Okay. So is that um, going to be their platform in 2022? They're going to run all their campaigns on widespread grooming. Well, I think if you look at what Yunkin did in Virginia in the governor's race, um, that they think it's a winning strategy. And well, so, yes. schools are. 
well because that was crt pushing, pushing the pushing the parental choice issue the fact that the left is um you know intent on um ruining your kids in whatever way you want to define that um and pushing their agenda on your children in their schools um and so we have to fight this because there's there isn't we talked about it in the beginning of the show politics of eternity right there's yeah if there's oh if there's no, yeah if there's no place to to go politically pro to progress like to move forward then we got to fight over some bullshit so right because we have to be different right we have sure. to give some people some reason to vote for us right so this is the war we choose to engage in it feels like a continuation of the evangelical rights discomfort with and opposition to gay rights though, right? Like, Oh, it definitely comes from there. Yeah. Like it's just modernized into the new socially acceptable attack. Like, you know, post gay marriage being accepted across the country, like overwhelmingly, not, not yeah, yeah. accepted, not Mainstream, like put yeah. through the courts. I mean, like, right. like people are like, Oh yeah, this really wasn't the big boogeyman. Everybody said it was. And that reminds me like in the nineties when they're, you know, the, that people were like, oh, we can't let teachers, we can't hire openly gay teachers. Otherwise, they're just going to pervert all our children's. And that was that, like, this just feels like Halloween candy with poison in it and satanic panic. These are the people that brought you all of that. Like, anyone to the political left of John McCain is basically a pervert coming for your children. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that seems fair enough. Isn't that lazy? But it's appealing, well, right? Like, because you want to, you don't want to not be. It's the reason I'm not like confident in my in my voice during this subject. Like, you well, you're on you're on the defense, and if you're on defense, you're losing. I don't think it's lazy. I think it's effective, That's and I it. think that they saw that. Uh, and so you know, they they you'd be a fool not with, to use it. They, yeah, you ride with the horse that wins, right? So that's that's the reasoning here. Now, I think that if you had so some it's for sort points. Of, if you had some sort of, I don't know. There's consequences to just getting points that like affect your society, though. Well, but that's what we've been talking about, right? That the oh, that's why we have a show. A, yeah, politics is a game now. It's not about moving any agenda forward. It's about winning, and that's that's been the problem. I think we've talked about extensively on this show. There's not like, like what is fucking what is Madison Cawthorn and Margie Marjorie Taylor Green and. What do they really want to do? What's their real agenda? Like, do they want to propose some actual legislature that does something for Americans? No. I don't see no, that. No, they just want power. It's McCarthyism. It's, it's power. It's exactly. I have a list of names, but there was no names on that list when he first did that in like Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, is that like power a, for power's sorry. sake? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's Mitch McConnell. And yeah, but it's Nancy Pelosi, too, though. Well, it got um, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump $2 billion to, um, in Saudi funds to manage this Jesus week. So Christ. there's that. What and happened? A $25 million. Oh, the Saudis agreed to give uh, Jared Kushner's new um, uh, money management company $2 billion for him to manage, even though he has no experience managing any money. And he gets a $25 million salary annually for doing it. Was that the country he had a back channel communications with? You know, him and MBS were great buddies. It's bothersome. Yeah. Was it him that so, had the back channels or that is that was Don was Jr.? Him. That was him. Him and MBS were like Yeah. Literally like hanging out. And what's two billion to him? Oh dude, they ha he has like a slush fund of like seven hundred billion, I want to say. Jesus Christ. 
Uh, well, you're taking me onto a new subject. I want to stay in this dirty stuff. So um, here's an example of a syllabus that got leaked to, of all places, Fox News. Could you imagine? Hmm. So this is a Fox News report, a local Fox channel, though. I know uh, this was the how about that. Uh, nope, nope. We're, uh, well, this is our big story, Alan. Oh, got it, got it. Hey, Brian. Starting hey. in September, children in first grade, starting in first grade here in New Jersey, will be learning about gender, gender identity, and gender stereotypes as well. And this will include lessons about their genitalia and how it relates to their gender identity. I spoke with some concerned parents in New Jersey this morning who say this is a conversation for the home, not for school. Okay, so I, I, I actually completely agree with that part, though. Well, I don't I actually don't disagree with it. The only thing that... I, my concern would be is it's being presented in a way that's not realistic. Uh-huh. Um, and I haven't seen any um, anything else on this yet, so I don't have any sort of pushback here. But, I mean, if it is as they say on face value, then, yeah, I think that there's I would have an issue with that probably. Yeah, because they're talking but about, if, like, you have a boy parts and feel like a girl, girl parts a boy. But I don't think but that's you know, happening in first grade. I think that's, I was like, gonna say, yeah. That's typically not, like, first grade. You're, you're six years you don't tell someone grade. five years before it happens that puberty is going to be a thing you tell them like right as it's starting or a year before like yeah first grade seems a bit early to be this but also that, that was controversial so, right like when we were kids that like there were still parents we knew people in our classes that had parents that were like i don't think that you should be learning this in school i want to teach my kids this and we had permission slips yes right yeah and then if you didn't, if your parents didn't sign off on it, you had to go, like, go do PE or something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. For that class. Yeah. yeah. This is just like, this groomer debate is just like... Um... CRT? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> this groomer debate is just like CRT in schools, like you mentioned. It's like busing. And it's like mm-hmm. No Child Left Behind under the Bush administration. And the Scopes Monkey Trial. It isn't about what's best for kids. It's about parents fighting over power. And politicians using that to rile up a base on their side. Which one's it coming from? Is it like lightning? Like we can't tell which end it starts on? Oh, is it the chicken or egg? I see what chicken you mean. Chicken egg. Yeah. Uh, you know that I think it's... chickens have a specific enzyme that creates the shell, so it had to be a chicken first? Oh, okay. We solved that debate. Cool. Yeah. Um, I-, I think it's coming more from the political side than the parents' side. But yeah, yeah, uh, they're stirring them up. There's a little bit of formula to that, actually. So let's play a clip that's a good example of everything we've been talking. It's all kind of benign at this point. It's like this is all up to how you interpret how these politicians who are vying for your vote, how you actually react to it. Well, here's how it starts to play out in the culture war. Here's Tucker Carlson with J.D. fucking Vance. (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand where the men are. Like, where are the dads? You know, some teachers pushing sex values on your third grader? Why don't you go in there and thrash the teacher? Like, this is an agent of the government pushing someone else's values on your kid about sex. Like, where's the pushback? I'm going to start from the end and work backwards. Um, they're not an agent of the government. Like, I don't think that a single teacher has ever been hired. And they're like, now you do understand. It's not like they don't give you like the exit row brochure, like talk on the airplane. They're like, you know, you do understand you are an agent of the government. So like you have to No, like they, yes, they, they are public school teachers. Therefore they get paid by the state locality. Um, God forbid we have federal schools. I mean, if we do, Jesus Christ, I, I don't think so. The, it's so, so there okay that's fine that's honestly the least important part about that but it's 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 part of his point right right the 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 thrashing is you want to get to that or? I, you know i hate this phrase but is that toxic masculinity 
yeah, he's advocating violence against teachers. By where's the dads? Like clearly, if that's yeah, these if you're dads dad, need to be beating it. You know, kick the teacher's ass if that happens. Everything like, that we've been talking about up until this point, it's like, okay, but is anybody going to do that? And like, okay, maybe no one's going to hear the Fox News guy say that because it's just an entertainment show. But mm. man, he's asking for people to commit violence over right. something that you can use other means to. Not if, just asking, but suggesting like it's obvious that that would just happen. Where are in the men at? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. What? How sexist? Moms can't thrash yeah. teachers? Are these men supposed to punch female teachers? So he's creating an issue. Right, right. Well, Will Smith didn't. I've been meaning to say that. That you know what bothers me the most about that, and I don't feel like I heard anybody else say this was why didn't Jada go fight him? Like if it really bought, like seriously, if a comedian said something that upset Natasha, I'd look at her. I'd be like, I'm. You know what? Go defend. I'm not gonna go fight that man in public because they defend said her honor. Yeah, like not over this. Like if he does something that threatens you, I will absolutely. But like, right. that, like if that bothers you, like, sm- dude. I mean, and what's he gonna do to you, smacking him? Fucking nothing. <laughs> and if he does, I'll beat the shit out of him. Like that's how that works. Did we just forget about that? Uh, okay. So it would seem. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but so there is a formula you create the issue you create an right. issue that was not there because like I said sure th- maybe this has been happening but it didn't happen last fucking week like no. we didn't just wake up one day and realize there's this grooming situation if it exists it is the offspring of social justice being applied by activist teachers well that didn't just happen last week why are we all talking about it at such a fever pitch? Like, do you have to recognize that you're being manipulated? Like, yep, the, the tail's wagging the dog. Tail's wagging the dog. There we go. And you create a response to a non-issue and tell people to commit violence. That's the problem. Um, the I, I think I'm going to skip that next clip. Um, we do have a co co big topics. I think that's it. Did you have any more topics? Any more uh, to say about any of that? I think we're starting to circle. I think we that. covered that really well. I don't like it. It makes me feel icky to even be on I agree. any side of a conversation. Of but that. I think we covered it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why these people are so comfortable living in that conversation. They know they're benefiting from it politically. They know they're not being genuine. Like, how can you... That... It's appalling to think that that, that, that that operator wakes up and goes and does that every day for a living. Like, that's crazy to me. To to manipulate people through that culture war tactic. Like, I agree. Yeah. Right. I agree. Um, well, so it's been our big topic for weeks. It hasn't really stepped down in intensity. There's been horrible things happening in Ukraine this last week. Mm-hmm. Let me play this clip. This is um, Zelensky. He's not saying anything inappropriate like, you know, last week. Um, he's talking about the cities being yeah, liberated. We can see that the war is not over yet, but so many people are excited and happy that some areas have been liberated. And I'm pleased to speak about such places because in others, people are dying. Some because of the blockades, and others because they're being killed by Russian soldiers. But we have put up a fierce response, and they have failed to take Kiev. Come in the name of peace. Oh, shit. I did leave that in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's sort of a scene setter. So I'm going to play this clip first, because the next clip is a little bit more uh, riling up for people grabbing their arms and heading to war. But uh, before we get into that, I want to play one that appeals to me a little bit more in the name of peace, as uh, Zelensky would say. I would love, colleague Jean-Baptiste, that sanctions do not end military conflicts. 
So this is an Irish member of parliament in the EU. She's uh, speaking to a Bulgarian member of parliament, but also the floor is there. I would love colleague Jambaski to tell me any circumstance in which NATO has played a productive role or delivered peace anywhere. History has taught us that sanctions do not end military conflicts. They do not bring peace. They make the people suffer, not the oligarchs, the people, the people of Russia, the people of Europe. And they're not going to help save lives because the more arms you pump into Ukraine, the more the war will be prolonged, the more Ukrainians will die. And it might sound radical, colleagues, but the answer to war is not more war, it's peace. And peace isn't delivered by the barrel of a gun, it's delivered by diplomacy, by dialogue. You can wish away your continent's history, but we share a continent with Russia. We will sit down with Russia. There will be a negotiated peace, and this organisation should be promoting it earlier rather than delaying it and making sure that more Ukrainians die. Your feigning of sympathy rings hollow. It makes me sick, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah, got got quite an applause, honestly. I mean, just just the the momentum of that and the passion. Um, it. How do you feel about this? So we're kind of at a point where we know Russia is regrouping. They haven't stopped. They are, as Zelensky was hinting at, they are moving on to a phase of destruction. And mm-hmm. some would, at this point, beg for an agreement to be made Zelensky to agree with partitioning off parts of his country um, as concessions to Russia so that Russia doesn't have to put all its energy into a military war. Both sides can feel like that's a win and stop. That's appealing. I don't think that it matches with the reality. We understand Russia and Putin to be, especially with having read road Down freedom and understanding P- Putin's drivers more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so let me just address a couple things in that clip. So what you said about sanctions never being effective, I think that there are a lot of people that would argue that, and I could see that side of the argument. I think that um, a lot of people in the diplomatic business would tell you that it's not a great tool, but it's a tool that we have, um, and that they think it it can produce a desired result. It just takes a really long time. Um, As far as NATO never being useful at preserving the peace. I think it's hard to prove an antithetical and to say what would have happened without NATO being in place. So that would be my pushback to that. As far as if there were to be a diplomatic solution between Ukraine Ukraine and, and Russia now where they just agree to carve off a piece of Ukraine, I think that from Zelensky's perspective, that's just a non-starter like you're not just gonna say well the bully you know busts through my door so i'm gonna give him half my house so he leaves me alone like that's just not. now he's in half your house right and and for as what you said putin especially at this point now has to salvage this into some form of victory and and the best way for him to do that is to carve off some more space near the donbass where they're they're you know sending troops now and to just obliterate some more Ukrainian cities and make the Ukrainians, you know, feel pain because of how bad they made him look. I, I hate to say it, but that's kind of where he's at right now. And just every um, six to eight years, you come over and take a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't 
you know, I just don't see. Yeah, sure. They'll sit down at the negotiation negotiating table and they will say whatever they need to say. They've done it before. But then when it comes to what's actually happening on the ground, you know, none of that matters. So that's the problem, right? Is like there's real reason to believe that this doesn't end with Ukraine. It's not like Putin's going to do that and be satisfied. It moves on to Poland, other uh, Baltic nations, tries to reabsorb the Warsaw Pact nations, right? Mm-hmm. Potentially, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he's already done that with Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. And Crimea is part of that. Crimea. Uh, he he, he I mean, clearly Belarus has a, is essentially a client state. Which I mean, one? Belarus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the Belarusians are pissed about that. They didn't want. They knew he lied about his election. He stole that last election, and they yeah. hate seeing that. There's there is a. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the New York Times uh, Sunday read this week or weekend mm-hmm. edition. It was two hours. I actually only made it for the first half hour of it. But one of the things they talked about is all the uh, the people in Belarus that are. You know, they're appalled. They know that the election was stolen and their fear was that their country would be used as a, as a military base to invade Ukraine. And, and that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, that's but like this is what we talk about, how like I don't like voting because no matter what, someone represents me in a way that doesn't represent me. Well, that's like that times a million, you know, like that's the cartoon example of why I don't do it. Well, in that case, your vote didn't matter at all. Like that, that's a good point. That's never, a good point. W- never would have. I realized there was holes in what I was saying. I didn't care to argue <laughs> my counters to them, and it's not the show for that. Yeah. Um, so this is Ian Bremer on Sam Harris' oh, podcast. I know him. Uh, this, so Sam sort of sets him up asking about what off-ramps there are that are appealing for Putin. He's now not incentivized to do anything other than cause uh, intolerable pain for everyone in sight. And I'm wondering what you think about that and what, what an off-ramp would look like. This is the this is why I'm so pessimistic about where this crisis is going is because I increasingly don't see a feasible off ramp. Any off ramp I see because Putin's misjudgment was so bad on the reaction of the West, on the willingness of the Ukrainians to fight, on on the readiness and capacity of his own military. I mean, he he is just as a consequence, he's in such a worse position. I don't know what an off-ramp would look like that could be remotely acceptable to Putin. Hmm. So, I mean, look, he's already, he's, he's, he's backed away from Kiev because he can't take it. And it is possible that he won't be able to take the occupied territories of the Donbass. That's two-thirds greater than what the Russians were occupying after 2014. And he's not really going to get into it right here. I'm going to play the rest of that. But at this point, when I was listening to it, I was like, you know, you've made so much chaos in the Donbass that Mm -hmm. it's not even as bad as it was before. It's worse. So Mm -hmm. what they did control, yeah, I guess they still control it, but not in the manner that they used to before there was an invasion. Yeah, there was almost, I mean, there were still fighting going on. Oh, it never stopped. It's it's improper to think of this as the war that started on February 24th. That's the invasion of the war that began in 2014. Right, that's right. Oh, sorry. They continued to occupy when the war started. I think the best way to lead to an off-ramp is to not allow the Russians to create facts on the ground that are unacceptable. And so this is the time to give the Ukrainians a lot more military capacity to prevent the Russians from taking all of the Donbass. So that's kind of the counter to that last lady's point, which I don't know about you. I've been falling more and more into saying that I think that this this should be the U.S. and NATO's response going forward. I agree. 
And we've seen that. The, just today, a bunch of attack helicopters and um, some, oh, uh, like a, it's not a Humvee, but it's a different acronym that's similar to it, uh, HMMWV. The, and it, uh, but but those were all already allocated to some other place, probably to fight ISIS or something. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, we just promised a shitload of military aid, like yeah. pretty much direct military aid. Which you know, in a sense, it's calling Putin's bluff. Like I don't believe that he's bluffing, which makes me nervous. But mm. the, I mean, the, like we just described, I don't see this ending at a failure in invading Ukraine and uh, a carve out enclave on the east side of it you know he still wants the same objectives and i don't see him stopping there if he wins that so i i think under that assumption now is the time to be more aggressive in our defense of ukraine which will as putin said be completely seen as a hostile act but i think that faced with not being able to have stopped him at at this early of a phase in what it appears he's intending to do. I, I think that's the more prudent decision. And I, I hate that because like we both are anti-war. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think that's right. Um, this is clearly belligerent and it's becoming something we must defend ourselves by doing. And it's not Iraq. like Right. Right. Not at all. And, and so now he's, he's put in a new general to, you know, to take over the new mission, um, which is concerning. Um, that guy has a pretty bad track record. Yeah, we got a um, we got a guy talking about him a little later. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that that kind of is the best play that we have right now. None of none of the options are great. No, um, to yeah, be honest. because they're going to continue but, what they were doing in Mariupol. Uh, well, here, let me play the rest of this. They've been blowing up Mariupol now for almost four weeks. It mm-hmm. was a city of four hundred thirty thousand Ukrainians. Probably twenty thousand Ukrainian civilians are dead, and mm-hmm. the Russians have destroyed it but it's taken them a lot longer and they're still fighting there as of right now they're still fighting there and if if you can keep that fight going for another week or two and you can show putin that he's incapable of taking more territory in the southeast of ukraine the donbass if he takes additional territory and he annexes it into russia you know, it's all it's impossible to restart a negotiations process there. It's impossible to at any point talk about how you get any sanctions removed or reduced. Is there any way that he's wrong there? Like if he's wrong, then those assumptions need to go out the window like that. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with him and it scares me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had something to push back on because I, I don't want him to be right. Well, in a, in a sense, it's, con- it's confirming something that I don't want to believe. Like, I don't want to be in this camp, but I think that it's, be- it, like I said, I think it's becoming a defensive thing we need to do. I agree. Well, here's a follow-up clip from that, uh, another clip with him. It's interesting. Everyone talks about this statement he made at the end of the Warsaw speech, Warsaw speech as a gaffe, where he said, you know, whatever it was, my God, we cannot let this man stay in power. <laughs> I don't think it was a gaffe. I think the reason it became a gaffe is because his overly cautious staffers immediately put out a that's not our policy. And as you know, if you're on defense, you're, if you're explaining, you're losing. Right. And I thought the statement he made the next day, which was this was a moral position. That's exactly the way he feels, the way he felt. And it's completely consistent with saying that Putin is a war criminal. But when you say Putin is a war criminal, I mean, 
you are saying I can't deal with this guy going forward. Yeah, this, that's this very guy, clear. If this, we're going to get this guy in the Hague, if we have the power to do it, like this guy can't show up for a meeting because we're going to arrest him, right? I mean, that, that's yep. Yeah, so it's that's absolutely right. Yeah. So we have right now we have the Americans and the Europeans all together, but the farther we go, the harder it is to maintain that. And so there's really at this point, even though we prefer negotiations. There's not much utility in negotiations. While the Baltic states and Poland and the United Kingdom actually don't want the war over because they want to see much more damage done to the Russian military and economy so they can't do this again. Right, right, which makes sense based on their proximity and likely next target. I mean, they share a border with Belarus, which is the military base on the west side of Russia. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought of that perspective, but I, I, I guess that would be accurate. Yeah. So France and Britain can afford to be, or I mean, not necessarily Germany because of their whole history, but um, you know, th- but France especially, you know, they can say no, let's have a diplomatic solution, let's find a way, just get something down on paper. I've got an election coming up, anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Mi- the Americans have the midterms, although we have right. mixed motivations, right? If Biden can conduct a uh, successful war campaign, ooh, stunning, brave. Although, as one of our listeners always likes to point out, uh, all, all of the wars other than the war on terror were started by Democrat candid, uh, presidents. That's interesting. That is weird. I don't think that there's as much to that as it says on its face. But like, <laughs> it, that's one of those facts that the more you think about it, the more you're like, holy fuck. Technically, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip over a few of these ones just because this show is kind of going long. Um, Abe Lincoln was talking about... Uh, wait, wait. What? Iraq? Iraq? Oh, you're saying that's a war, war on terror. terror. Yep. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, nope. It's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you're right. Okay. Um, oh, Iraq won. Wait, the first Iraq war. Yeah, that wasn't the war on terror. Yeah. Oh. Unless he's, is he calling that a special military operation? I'll text him about it though. But I'm not going to do that in the show. Well, he'll hear it because he's a listener. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, Paul, hi. Um, Paul's very well armed and he lives closer to you, Alan. So uh, let's not oh, cool. upset him. I don't mind that at all. <laughs> I can hang out with Paul. You could. He's a cool dude. He yeah. had a good audio clip. It didn't fit on the show. I maybe I'll save it for next week. Um, the So Abe Lincoln, he was talking about uh, holding Russia accountable for war crimes. By the way, do you hear what they're calling war crimes? Because they don't want to say war crimes. Con- conflict, crimes. conflict atrocities. Oh, I hadn't heard that term. It's obnoxious. Okay. Like, are you worried that Putin's going to win and then say, like, okay, which one of you guys called this a war? (laughs) Right? Uh, We had Bojo and Buka, and uh, I was going to call the show Buka de de Despot. (laughs) Now we're not going to play that clip, so. Um, Do do they have, are Buka de Beppos, like, national chain enough that people would get that joke? I wouldn't know what that was except for listening to uh, Mike O'Mara. So, do you know Buca de Beppo was the last place that uh, Phil Hartman went before his, for dinner before his wife killed him? Yeah. Oh, wow, I did not, not know that. Oh. So there's some in L.A. Then there are some in L.A. Yes. Um, so this is to save time and not play all these clips. Uh, general Mark Hurtling, he was discussing, like you had mentioned, that the uh, new Russian general taking over um, operations there, not in a war though. Um, so he has this nickname called the uh, Butcher of Syria, right? Yeah. 
And I'm not going to play the clip because that'll burn an extra two minutes. So let's let's keep the show rolling. But um, the the thing that I was seeing going around on the internet was people saying like, this is a made up nickname. Uh, this is the propaganda, in my opinion, against him. This guy, nobody ever, he was never called that. And as proof, they were like, if you type butcher of Syria into Google and said it from before they said that that's what his name was last week, uh, you'd never see it used. And it's like, wow, go figure. You fucking, you beat the system. That's what it is. That's that's all the proof you need, right? Like, Because Google, you couldn't Google his nickname. You couldn't Google a general's nickname. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, they should call the they should call MBS the butcher of Istanbul. They should. Not really a joke, huh? No, I'm sorry. It's right. Uh man, I'm just gonna soak in that one. That was a <laughs> big pile of shit I just ate there. Thanks, Alan. Um, the <laughs> sorry. Oh no, it's okay. It's the hurts. migraine. I get it. Uh, it's what I've been telling myself. It's all good. Um, the the hold on. That's from Buka. Skipping that. Um, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. When I was... <laughs> you're fine. I wasn't upset. Okay, okay. Yeah, dude. Okay. I'm so happy you're here. Like genuinely, that's all going to be funny. So let's just before we get out of here on Ukraine, let's just play one more clip, to sort of set things up as to how they are. Uh, and what they kind of can expect going forward. The focus is Donbass, which is this province in eastern Ukraine. What we're seeing is that it's pulled back not just the forces that were in northern Ukraine heading for Kiev, but also some of the other ones around the northeastern city of Sumy. And it's going to consolidate its efforts. The idea is, John, that by focusing its efforts on fewer places, it can concentrate its forces more effectively. Their forces are completely spent. So if you look at their initial invasion force of perhaps 120, 125 battalion tactical groups. These are fighting formations of perhaps a thousand or so people each. About 29 of those have been chewed up. They can't be used. They're not effective. They've got to be replenished. They've got to be rested. And psychologically, this is a force that has been thrown at Kiev. It's been repelled. It's probably pretty demoralized. Even if they can rest it and replenish it, it's going to take about a month or so to move that to Western Russia to attack Donbass. Do you think Putin cares? Or no. is it to just be like, well, your soldiers do it? The only thing he, he probably does care about is Victory Day is coming up on May the 9th. Yep. And that's pretty symbolic for for Russians. And I think he'd probably like to bring home some sort of victory for Victory Day. Victory of the World War II, the Great War for the Fatherland or whatever, right? Right, right. That's when Russia celebrates it, yeah. Yeah. How'd they Um, start that war? Russia? Yeah. Well, Started with the Nazis, yeah. Right. I guess they just forget (laughs) about that, right? They just totally forget about Stalin that, yeah. was still in charge at the beginning and the end, right? Yes. So Stalin was. side with the Nazis, right? Yes. Okay. Me. And then he references Stalin and denazifying Ukraine. Right. Right. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure it's hard to keep that straight because it <laughs> no, doesn't it make really sense. Is. It really is. Okay. Yes. Oh, I got a dog in here. Hi, Petra. Hey, do you want to come up here? Come on up. Little puppers. Hey, hey little baby. Hi. Say Aww. hi. Say hi to everybody. Oh, who's a good girl? All right, you can go sit over there. She's a cutie. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not not true. Um, so they're kind of anticipating this is going to become a war of attrition. So play a clip about that. But Alan, how would you describe a war of attrition? Not like we don't know the definition, but like what does that look like? It looks awful. It's it's a war where like 
nobody wins. You just keep killing more people and shoving them into the, the machine. Essentially what World War One was for a long time. Here we go. I think that's exactly what's happening. Russia's aim was to envelop Ukrainian forces in Donbass and attack them from the rear. <laughs> it's looking like that's going to be impossible now. If it tried to do that, it would risk exposing its own flanks because the Ukrainians <laughs> could attack it from the north, from Kiev and other directions. So Michael Kaufman... You're going to get it from both ends, Alan. <laughs> ...who's an expert at CNA, an American think tank. What he told me is that he thinks Russian strategy is devolving into a kind of frontal assault a war of attrition to wear down the Ukrainians in the Donbass, not through fancy maneuver tactics, just by squeezing them out of the Donbass by sheer bloody attrition. That was like, there was there's too many references to rapey and sexual situations, right? Like that's quite a few. Was that just me? I mean, I get it. I'm a bit of a pervert. But like, was that <laughs> you heard it too, right? I was watching the Masters over the weekend. They kept talking about his shaft and I was the like okay, that's yeah I don't know <laughs> maybe you see Tiger's you, day you of a thousand putts <laughs> this is a joke from Buzz Burbank Donald Trump likes golf as well he has a day of a thousand putzes yeah that's all that's worth uh I don't think I'm gonna keep that on the show um all right well let's get out of here uh uh, on that chipper note, let me give you a quick little question and we'll get going. I'll talk to you on Friday. You know, I was driving today and like I just had a moment where I just got so mad at the guy for not giving his signal. And not only that, he made like a sweeping left like veer before he made a right turn all without a signal. I'm just like, who fucking turns like that? Like, you know, that's something for Tucker to in, in, yes. envelop I'll or give, bring up masculinity I'll... for. Like, turn like a man, you know? You stay in that right and just yank it and turn it 90 degrees. I said yank it. <laughs> anyway, is getting mad over people not using their blinkers like the equivalent of the old guy complaining about traveling in a basketball game? Like, I they're, suppose. they're really suppose. similar, right? <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good uh, look. But, you know, it's a culture war I could get behind. That's, that is, that's the one that we should be getting behind. That's okay. All right. Oh, I didn't tell my favorite Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey joke. Oh. Well, Can do I do it. that now? Yeah, do it here. So I, I, you know, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey, comedy god. Um, I tried to find audio of this clip. I know I heard him say this as a guest on a podcast, but I couldn't find the episode where he said it. Uh, it's a classic Gilbert Godfrey joke. It's just like a uh, vaudeville joke. You know, it's all about the delivery, and I'm sure I'll butcher it, but if you'll allow me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, since it's for Gilbert, I'm going to have to do the impression, right? Like, I can't just... you. First of all, you can't tell a Gilbert Godfrey joke as like, all right, a priest and a rabbi walk into the bar, right? You have to... Right? You have to it's got to be from it, yes. here. Yeah, okay. And, yes. like, you can't whisper it, right? Like, you can't tell no. a Gilbert Godfrey joke to your friend, like, next to him. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. That doesn't... That's not it, right? No. All right, so can Definitely I? Definitely not. Yeah, go for it. Little Johnny asked his mom, where did babies come from? And she says, well, Johnny, they come from a stork. Brings it into the house. Who fucks the stork? <laughs> it's so dumb. It's good, though. Uh, you know when What's else up? is not a good time to try to tell that joke? When? 1130 at a house with dogs in it. And oh, a sleeping girlfriend. Yeah. I didn't think about that one. I'm sure I'll hear about that. <laughs> All right, man. You've been a trooper, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for your service Absolutely. and your migraine. Uh, Cheers. False valor. Stolen valor. Come in the name of peace. I'm pooping right now. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron? And if so, why? Why would you say something that stupid? 
I come without explanations or solutions. I'm a very sexy lady. <laughs> Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. Read the news. God bless the United States. Now this is podcasting.